So, you've got an idea for a business. The store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out. Everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media, source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Our guest on this latest lockdown episode of Soundtracking is a director, writer, producer and actor who's worked on a wide range of projects, including Late Night, Mr. Robot and Girls, and won a Golden Globe for the TV series Transparent. Nisha Ganatra's latest film is The High Note, which is out on home entertainment format as of today, starring Diana Ross's daughter, Tracy Ellis Ross, Dakota Johnson, Kelvin Harrison Jr. and Ice Cube, tells the story of a PA to a famous singer who wants to become a producer. Now, as well as loads of classic needle drops, the high note features plenty of original tunes too, mostly sung by Tracy. Amongst them, Stop for a Minute. Thank you so much. Nice to Um, meet you virtually. Nice to meet you virtually. (laughs) I'm going to try to get, let me see if I've got this all happening right. Okay, we're on Yeah, you good? I've got the ear pod. You can hear me. Amazing. Isn't technology great that we can still do this? Amazing. (laughs) Look at your awesome home studio. I'm assuming this is home. This is home. Yeah. Yeah. I've kind of accumulated all my bits and stuff. Um, you know, it was kind of good. It was an excuse to tidy up my room a bit. And you know, yeah. Um, listen, congratulations on the film. It is absolutely brilliant. Oh, thank you. Oh my God. Thank you. That's so nice. To be honest, I didn't, I didn't know much about the film going in and I really like that when you kind of go in with, you know, nothing to kind of cloud it in any way, apart from the fact that I yeah. love who are in it and I'm, I know what you've done in the past. So it was kind of, you know, it was kind of, I was, I was joining good company and oh my God, it's got everything in it. You know, I cried, <laughs> I laughed, I sung along to TLC No Scrubs. I was, oh, I was nice. like, was, oh, I'm so happy so to hear much. That. <laughs> A scrub is a guy that thinks he's fine. is also known as a buster. 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 Always talking about what he wants and just sits on his broke ass. So no, I don't uh, want to uh, 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 
talking, oh yes son, I'm talking to you. If you live at home with your mama, oh yes son, I'm talking to you. If you have a shorty that you don't show love, oh yes son, I'm talking to you. Wanna get with me with no money? Imagine a lot of that was on the was on the page in terms of the script, but you really need those special individuals to yes. bring it to life and that collaboration to bring it to life. Both the relationship that you have with your crew, but your cast as well, to give them the I guess the confidence and the to 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 kind of play with it a bit. Yeah, it was such a fun. It was just a really fun movie. I mean, not just because it's like you know, of course, it's Tracy Ellis Ross's film debut and also her vocal debut, which. I, it was really beautiful to learn that she actually had wanted to sing her whole life and then felt intimidated because her mom was Diana Ross. So she was like, I'm not doing that. I'm going to pivot over to acting. And then obviously made a brilliant career as an actress. And I think she just decided like, you know, okay, now's the time. I'm going to do a movie. Not only am I going to do a movie, I'm going to do a movie and sing in the movie and play a music icon. One, two, three, four. just this beautiful story of, you know, not only just like how fun it is to be in our industry, like you see these music movies and they're always like a little bit depressing sometimes, like the addiction or then they, you know, go into death and depressing and it gets very serious. And I was like, but it's fun too. It's really fun to be a musician. It's really fun to be in the arts. It's really like a beautiful industry. And so it really, when I read Flora's script and it had these two women and it was really funny and very moving and it just felt like oh you know this is a fresh take on the assistant icon dynamic and then also for me like with um, Dakota's character Maggie to really find um, this woman that wanted to be a producer because I feel like young women are always told like you want to be in front of the camera you want to be on stage you want to get the followers you want to get the likes and this was like I always felt like no you want to be a part of the creative process that's what you want like that's the big goal is to like live a creative life, right? So I love that the message in this is, you know, get out there, be a part of it, follow your dreams, work really hard. And it's just like the fact that the two of them come together to, to sort of be a stronger force for each other. I'm, I'm always a fan of movies where it's like, you know, women can support each other or we could be each other's worst enemies. And I really love when it's like, hey, 
to try to support each other. Yeah. We got enough enemies. Like we don't need to really hold each other back. There's room at the table for everyone. Yeah. I think that that's what one of the many things I loved about it was that kind of female perspective and empowerment that kind of came out of it on so many levels, you know, in terms of how it's almost kind of, if you open yourself up to actually listening to that person, whoever it may be, it's amazing what you can take from that situation. And you know, and with, with Tracy's character, you know, it, it obviously takes her a bit of time to actually realize that she needs to listen. She has this person right next to her who's, who's hugely influential. And I love that dynamic. Those two are fantastic on screen together. Oh, my God. Oh my yeah. God. They really have a good chemistry. It's oh. true. And, and so does Kelvin. Kelvin Harrison Jr. comes on there and just lights up the whole screen with all of them. Um, and Ice Cube comes and steals the yeah. show every time he's in there. Oh. Just like, there are some see? great lines in there as well. Um, right? Paul oh saying, who God. the hell do you think you are, Missy Elliott? And then there was another one as well. <laughs> oh, one of my favorite lines is, I opened the Adele basket. Oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just, yes, I'm so glad you caught that. <laughs> there's, there's so many little... Um, I've been part of the music industry for a long time as a DJ at Radio One for a very long time. And yes. I've got a lot of friends and, and weirdly, my friend runs a label that Adele's on and things. So it's kind of, there's so many. She's like the nicest person in the world. So nice. She? Yeah. So nice. Like, but there's so we many. Had a little... joke. It didn't make it into the movie where the, the card and the gift basket from Adele says, I'm so sorry I stepped on your foot. <laughs> Please forgive me. <laughs> <laughs> it's like she sends this huge basket to Grace Davis. And it's just, we just had so much fun with music. That's what, it feels so true, though. That's what's great about yeah. it in terms of it feels like it's been written by someone who really has a bit of an insight into that world because yeah. there's a real love of music as a kind of thread throughout it as well, obviously with, with Maggie's character and with her dad and that relationship and stuff. But, but there's even like with that conversation about the, the Springsteen album, you know, kind of Wrecking Ball versus Thunder Road and all that kind of stuff. There's a real purity of love of music as part of the narrative. For sure. Flora Greeson wrote this beautiful script that is just a, I, I'm so glad you said it. It's just an ode to like, you know, talent and, and the beauty of music. And, Really, the first thing I did when I read it was I made a playlist and played the music in order of the the songs that were in the movie to see how they supported each scene. And she just really is is that. Like, she is incredibly thoughtful. She's from a different era, it feels like, even though she's yeah. 28 years old. She just wrote this love song to these these hits and these women and this music and this time. And yeah, it really, it really comes through. What took Tracy so long to a, do her first film and to kind of show off that vocal talent that she's got as well? I know I watched her do a little Instagram live thing the other night where she was playing her track for the first time. It was so sweet. You know, you can yes. tell how excited she was. This is something she's wanted really for her entire life. What do you think persuaded her that this was the right project to, to do that with? You know, I think she just hit a moment in her life where she achieved what she wanted to achieve in television and and was ready to sort of take the risk to do something on the big screen. Um, I'm surprised and thrilled that she picked a part where she would be singing so much. There are things I know that I should have said that I couldn't say. I've been hiding in my tower 
think she's just one of those artists that when she sets her mind to it, she does it, you know, she's sort of single focus and gets it done. But there was this amazing young woman named Sarah Ahrens, who was our songwriter, who when we were picking the songs for the movie, she came through, she sort of had every hit song on the radio. And I met her and she gave me like three demos and I listened to them and I was like, I love all of them. (laughs) And she, and I said, I also am looking for a song that, you know, Grace Davis may have written at this period of time. And she went home that night and the next day said, oh, I wrote something here. Um, What do you think of this? And I was like, great, that's the song. So suddenly it became the sound of the movie was really her. I really heard her as Maggie's uh, producer voice. And so Sarah brought to it this, um, fantastic, high quality music. And Rodney Jerkins, of course, our music producer, who's a legend, he really could bring out in Tracy this, um, this voice. Like, I think yeah. he, he said to her, you know, because we hadn't heard Tracy sing when we cast her. And no so way. Rodney and I went to the studio. Yeah. I mean, what she if she'd said, been gonna, awful? <laughs> if she had been awful, I would have had her lip sync. Because <laughs> she's still a brilliant actress. Yeah. So I really had that in my back pocket. I was like, all right, well, we have this brilliant, like, you know, Rodney, you know, so many amazing singers. And yeah. By the way, I did not know this about the music industry, but a lot of time those brilliant singers are on your favorite a singer's album as that singer and the singer themselves isn't singing their whole song on their album which was a really yeah. interesting behind the scenes uh, piece of knowledge I had zero idea about um, so I kind of had that in my back pocket I was like well we can do our movie magic yeah. but then we played it um, and we heard Tracy sing and Rodney and I just looked at each other and we almost cried because she mm. sounds so beautiful yeah he was sad he was like I'm sad you hid this from the world for so long I know. And that was such a beautiful moment. Yeah. I forget when I was younger, it was easy. Now I'm stressed, I'd always have to have the TV on. Watching memories fade to gray and winding slowly makes me uneasy, making me crazy. kind of understand though can't you when your mom's Diana Ross that you're kind of you know it's like (laughs) yeah I can sing but my mom you know it's I I can totally understand why she felt slightly apprehensive about it oh my god she I hope she's I mean she must be so proud of her you know to the fact that she's this kind of double whammy that she's done and she's delivered 
Oh my God. I have to say like we, in prep, we went to go, uh, we went to a Diana Ross concert together, me, the producer, the writer, um, a couple of the actors and, and Tracy. And just, I mean, I was just watching Tracy, watch her mom, watching Tracy, watch her mom. And just to understand when you see Tracy in the audience singing along to her mom on stage in the concert, you understand the entire dynamic there, you know, and what her childhood was like and her unique perspective on what it's like to be a music icon and how she could bring that to the role in a way no other actress could, you know. Is that something that you talked about? Because that's, that's, I think there's a beautiful kind of um, almost like fragility that she brings to the character, you know, and, and I mean, she just, like I said, I used the word truth earlier. There feels like there's so much truth in this character. And I wonder if that's something that you talked about in terms of whether she spoke, you know, in depth to her mum. You know, obviously she's witnessed so much stuff watching an icon grow up as your mother sort of thing, but also just as a person. We did. We talked about it a lot. And we also talked about the sacrifices women have to make in order yeah. to have a career, you know, and, and what she gave up and at what cost to herself and whether she truly had to give up those things or not, you know, mm. and you know, without giving away the spoiler in the movie, it it was like a really beautiful thing to examine just in terms of being women in this industry and how, how many things you have to sacrifice in order to rise to the top. And the script was very fun and very moving, but I knew if there wasn't like a deeper emotional core Mm. that we were um, following and that I was directing, that it could have just been a fun romp, you know, but I really wanted it to be more than that and just stay with you my favorite movies they make you laugh but they also make you cry you know and they say something about the world even though uh, it's not a messaging movie like Mm -hmm. I think comedy is the best for that you know even now when you look at our political situation the comedians and the late night talk shows they're the ones that are saying what needs to be said without any fear you know like comedians are sort of the task masters of keeping people in line in our our governments you know totally back from the day of the gesture even just the one person (laughs) who can get away with saying it and not get their head sliced off you know so it really feels like that is just part of the thing of of the comedy is you can sneak in a message Mm. into the movie in a way that uh, nobody really feels lectured to yeah totally and feel lectured yeah. It's really interesting the role that music has in the film. Obviously, you know, she's a she's a, a, a music icon, but then you have Maggie's character who's you know, she's she's obsessed and, and desperate to be part of this production world. Then you have the 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 needle drops in there like the TLCs and scrubs and things like that. But then you also have the score. And that's a really fascinating world to for you to navigate your way through. Was that fun? You know, trying to kind of... I'm so glad you brought up the score. It was this amazing composer named Amy Doherty. Um, and she's got such a, a, a tricky job because there was so much source music. There was so much original music. And then we needed score. Of course, every movie needs score, but... I was a little lost, to be honest. Like, I was like, okay, well, I think the score should be this sound, you know? And then we, we'd put in that sound and then it kind of flatlined all the other music because it was too much, like, um, R&B, you know? So then we're like, okay, well... And I really thought it should have a big orchestral, like, kind of romance because it's a rom-com and a, and a romantic comedy at its heart, too. So we went that way. Then it felt like, oh, well, is this two bananas, this world and that world? And then Amy sort of came in with, like, the best of both. Like, she she created this sort of old Hollywood like sound with the with the orchestral music that I wanted that really raised the romance but then also kind of 
kept this cool electronica thing that she worked in that was Maggie's producer's theme. And it was just like beautiful. She's so talented. And um, also to get to work with like a female composer is just, I don't even know. One of them said to me, like, could you name three female composers from, from film? And I just thought, oh my God, we need to change this. This is awful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was amazing this year watching Hilda pick up the Oscar for Joker, you know, and particularly with quite a a very masculine story. But but I think her 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 performance as a composer is at the heart of that story in terms of the inspiration that her music brought to Joaquin's performance. So it's lovely that full circle that it did as well. If you took the music out, though, it would be a whole different movie. It was really, but also her work on Chernobyl. Oh my god, she just like you know, yeah. try our best to champion the female composers for sure yes. definitely Misha <laughs> Lemika yes. Levy's another one that we love um she's phenomenal yeah. is that part and of the Leslie job Barber who did yes. uh, late night yeah she's incredible well she I think she did Manchester by the Sea got her all that attention oh what a film yeah I love the kind of um, 
the world that you've been involved in, in terms of working in the TV side of things, but also in film. And, and I wanted to ask about when, when it comes to music with those sort of things, when you're involved in, I mean, you've, you've worked across some extraordinary, you know, kind of series that we've all loved, you know, be it, um, you know, Brooklyn Nine-Nine or Girls, Mr. Robot and Transparent, all those things. And when you're part of that world where I guess there's a, uh, a kind of sonic foundation in a way, I guess, but then you can kind of bring your own thing to it as well. And whether it's different to film, if there is a different approach to to when you're thinking about music with film. Yeah, I mean, I guess it, it is, you know, with film, you're sort of building the whole world from the ground up. And with, the, with these amazing series, you have a showrunner that you're collaborating with. I've been really lucky to kind of stay in the more auteur series where they let you do your own thing and, and go for it. And I, um, especially girls, I remember, because at the time Lena was with um, Jack Antonoff. And so she said, oh, here's a song that he's just working on and we're thinking about using it. And I heard that demo and I just thought, oh my God, we have to definitely, <laughs> you know. And then she there were two songs actually. And she was like, which one do you like? And I, again, said both. And so I kind of blended them. So there's his, you know, one song she's doing in the dance party montage. And then she starts singing a different song and to get us to the other end of it. And just the editor was so fantastic. She really found a way to like blend these two songs in a, in a seamless way. So you don't even notice it's two different songs, I think at first. But yeah, it's really that thing that I think I first started watching music videos, right? That's what made me think, could I make a music video? Could I be like part of this cool industry and do this awesome stuff? And then, you know, you quickly find out, no, you can't make a music video because everybody wants to make a music video because it's really cool and fun. But it was, I interned at this music video place and it was the first place I saw like Tamara Davis and Mary Lambert and uh, Flora, like all the, I mean, just the the incredible women doing such cool work and nobody was saying, oh, here's a female director or here's that. They were just doing it. And I think that kind of was the thing about indie film too, was nobody was saying yes or no, you were just doing it. Like, of course, the lower budget stuff, nobody was was holding away from women. <laughs> but um, But I think that music and how it influences images and that being the the main thing of cinema has always really interested me and been the, the passion was just how it really tells the story. Like you said beautifully with Joker, just without Hilder's score, it really is a different yeah. movie.
remember fil- films for you where the music really resonated, both that, whether that be, you know, needle drops or, or, or a score? Oh, my God. Yeah. I think like Ang, Ang Lee uses music so beautifully, but I remember just in that, when I remember watching the ice storm and thinking, yes, that silence was used so strongly that the score and everything was so beautiful, but also the way he held back and let the sound design come through. watch Crouching Tiger and just that like beautiful score that came in and just uplifted everything and then would sort of drop away just for the little tinkles of when they walked on water you know and you watch the ripples in the water and just beautiful like moments like that. Is he a, a bit, bit of an inspiration to you then, Ang Lee, and his, his filmmaking? Yeah, yeah. I think Ang Lee and Pedro Moldovar were sort of the two movie filmmakers that made me want to get into filmmaking. Wow. Um, I saw their movies and just was so blown away by all of them. Obviously, Jane Campion's piano was like something that that score just haunted you and blew you away.
yeah, such a, a an important part of the story. Again, you know, kind of, you know, we were talking about with, with your film in terms of the music doesn't have one purpose and one role within the film sort of thing. And, and similarly with that, you know, it's, it's Holly's character's voice. It's her way of communicating. Yeah. It's so, yeah, it's beautiful score. That's that. also, you know, you're sort of talking about how when you, you get into this industry as like you're just a fan and then you don't know that in 10 or 15 years you're going to be working with the people you've been watching on screen and and at a festival with them or you know collaborating with them and yeah I remember when I watched Mansfield Park I was like oh my god this score this score is phenomenal who is Leslie Barber how in the world did this person exist And then like, you know, she was doing the score at a late night and it was just one of those moments where I was like, if you had told me that not only was I going to like get to talk to and meet the person who did this brilliant score, but then work with her, you know, it just is that fun of our industry of, you know, and that's sort of with Maggie and Grace too, right? Like starting as a fan and that's your icon and now you're her personal assistant and now you want to produce her and you're in this world and it's really... um, just one of the, the unique joys, I think, of our industry. With late is, night, is you like you must have been such a fan of these bands, and then suddenly you're interviewing them, and you're like totally hanging but, out but with them. Even things like when um, I was um, when I was at uni, and I was you know I did a degree in communication studies, and one of the things was, was film studies. And for my for my final essay, I wrote about Pulp Fiction, you know, and I went to the cinema to watch it like eight times to write about it, you know. And then cut to, you know, quite a few years later and I'm interviewing Quentin Tarantino and it's like, oh my God, this is nuts. This is nuts. But I think when you come from a, when you come from a true place of being a fan of something, I think that that, hopefully I think that enthusiasm kind of really kind of shines through and shows in, in your work, whether that's behind the camera or, you know, in front of the camera as well. I think that's a thing across the board. I think I hope that people can see and hear. Um, late night, though, with with that world, um, I wanted to ask you about that because um, Leslie scores brilliant, and I wanted to ask with regards to you know those late night shows always have those kind of big kind of brassy uh, theme tunes, and you know it's, that's always something that comes with that world. You know, whatever channel it's on, they've always got a theme tune, and so with with late night and and approaching that and thinking about that, was that uh, was that a bit was that quite fun in terms of how yours would oh sound? Oh my God. Well, it, strangely, it was something, I think we, you know, we shot that movie in 25 days. And what? so I was prepping it. I had four weeks to prep it. And oh <laughs> maybe God. five, I think five. And so it was insane because we were running so fast that suddenly it wasn't until we were building the set for the late night, you know, for the talk show, yeah. that it occurred to me that I was going to need this theme song ahead of time because... I'd cast a band and I didn't know what musicians to cast in the band. So I called Leslie and I was like, Hey, I need a theme song. Uh, 
could you write one? <laughs> she was like, what? You know, but of course she just said, sure, no problem. And then I found out later she had like a nervous breakdown when I asked her to write a late night Aww. theme song because it's so out of her wheel has But she said she went away and like kind of channeled Paul Schaefer <laughs> and came back with this like amazing theme song. good that it struck me and um, Eleanor Infante, the editor, we immediately remembered broadcast news and how they used just variations on the news theme as the score. And so, and all of us were in the same place, like Leslie, Eleanor, I all kind of came on the idea at the same time, like, can you give us pieces that are all derived from that theme song? So when you listen to the movie, all of Catherine's sort of score pieces are all, um, either slowed down from the theme song or piano version of it, or it's all informed by that theme song. It's the unifying music of the movie, which really makes it this very satisfying movie, I think. that is the best like it's such a collaborative art when you have the best cinematographer and and designer and costumes and makeup and hair and the music and everybody comes together and this vision really like rises up to everything the writing and the acting and it's just so satisfying to like feel like this is one piece of art that is just complete and its own thing and no randomness sort of snuck in there (laughs) yeah well, listen, we, I have to let you go, I'm afraid, but I, I, oh, oh, what a treat to you. chat to you and congratulations on, on the film again. Um, I really thought it was fantastic. I'm really excited to see what's next. And I really hope that Tracy, when we're allowed out, Tracy's going to like go and perform this, uh, these songs oh somewhere so we can like go and sing along and cheer and that's clap for her. And her mum can be watching her sing. <laughs> oh my God, that's such a good idea. We should just do like the high note musical tour and have her Absolutely. just singing everything. You know, she, when she sang it live on uh, Instagram, her mom was on the feed. So like suddenly you're watching her about to play her song and you see the Diana Ross and it says, mom's here. And we were all like, oh my God, oh my God. what's happening? <laughs> and then I got really nervous for her. <laughs> She did great. But yeah, yeah. Uh, her she mom was so well. sweet. She was like, I love you, honey. I'm so proud of you. And it was really, it was so moving. We were supposed to have, um, I live not that far from Glastonbury. And so we were supposed oh, to, yeah. Diana was supposed to be playing um, Glastonbury this year, which has been, yes. um, had to be cancelled obviously because of the COVID and stuff as well. But um, oh man, been, I mean, Lady Sings the Blues is one of the first films that I remember <sighs> watching and just 
blown away by her in that film and her portrayal of, you know, another iconic female artist. But yeah, oh, I could talk for hours about it. But you are such a fan. This is so amazing. You're um, so knowledgeable and you obviously love what you do. Oh, I do. I love it. And I hope when you come across next time, we can do this face to face and and, and talk some more. So great to chat to you, Nisha. Have a great day. Take care. Thank Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for having me. Taking her Lady Sings the Blues, that's the title track rounding off this latest episode of Soundtracking with the wonderful Nisha Ganatra. My huge thanks to Nisha for joining us in lockdown. The high note is available on home entertainment formats as of today and I mean it when I tell you I thoroughly enjoyed it. We'll put a Spotify playlist up for the show, which you can access via edithbowman.com. My website is also the place to catch up with every single episode, including my chats with Ang Lee, Pedro Almodovar and Quentin Tarantino. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. We are at Soundtracking UK. And please do subscribe to our YouTube channel to catch a little weekly show that I'm putting together. And last week's show featured none other than the one and only Tracy Ellis Ross herself. She is formidable next week on the show we chat more film and music i very much look forward to the pleasure of your company then in the meantime stay safe